Welcome to PMI's podcast, Leading for Business Excellence. In today's episode, I'm joined by Daniel Crump, owner and proprietor of the Greyhound Pub. Whilst the food at the Greyhound is absolutely fantastic, today's episode is not just about the food. I wanted to talk to Dan about the way his people work. When they serve a table, they have real flow to the way that they arrive, how they interact, how they hand off the dishes to the customers, how they hand off the trays to each other. Everything about the way they work demonstrates wonderful understanding of their processes and of their roles and the order in which they need to work. There's also a strong sense of culture, a sense of engagement with the team at the Greyhound. And it's really amazing to see that and to see how they welcome the guests and really make you feel comfortable in the surroundings and that you're going to have a wonderful evening with your friends or family. I talked to Daniel about how he first started age 14, setting up a restaurant in his mother's garage and how that journey has brought him through working with Gordon Ramsay, eventually to his own business with his wife, Marguerite, who is the most wonderful sommelier. I love the fact that between them, they've also created the Greyhound Hospitality Programme that is designed to work with teenagers and youngsters to introduce them to the hospitality industry so that they can get as much joy and pleasure out of that as Dan and his wife clearly do. I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's a great example of building culture and flow and training and learning within your organization. Thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today on this podcast, Leading for Business Excellence. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, myself too. Absolute pleasure. So I wondered if you could start by just introducing yourself to our listeners um, just tell us a little bit about your background and your career. Sure, yeah. So my name is Daniel Crump, originally from Devon. I've been very lucky to, to work in some fantastic restaurants uh, all across the, the UK. And myself and my wife purchased our own pub and restaurant here in Beaconsfield. It's called The Greyhound, The Greyhound Pub and Dining. The plan, the goal, the mission from a, from a very young age was always to have my own restaurant. And we purchased The Greyhound back in, in, in 2019 with the goal being comfort, you know, comfort in mind and all the experiences that we've taken over the years, uh, we wanted to put together as well as, of course, our own twist and our own beliefs into, into what we do. So we serve modern British food, got an amazing team who I'm incredibly proud of, both front of house and back of house. We only opened 12 weeks before the first lockdown. So most of the team, we've, we've all stuck together. And here we are two and a half, half years later. So yeah, modern British food. We have 14 tables in the dining room. Um, so our main dining room upstairs, dining room downstairs. We're a five-day week operation, Tuesday to Saturday. We do one lunch sitting, one dinner sitting. We don't turn any of our tables. We, you know, again, going back to the whole comfort, we want every single guest that, that comes into the Greyhound to leave wanting to come back. And so far, you know, we have a, a great return rate, something, again, I'm very proud of, and so are the team. Hopefully now we're, we're going to have a long run of it. No more lockdowns. We've gone, you know, gone through four four or three lockdowns and an isolation period. Now we just want a long run of it to be able to, to do what we do every day. And I think there's, I mean, you said there's a few things there, you know, you have a great team. That was one of the reasons that made me think, I think we could have a really interesting conversation um, sure. to learn from you about <laughs> how you've created that team. Sure. Um, but I can also imagine that 
the long run is absolutely what you're looking for. That kind of sense of rhythm, the lack of stop start to really hone everything that you're doing. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. What we feel like has been only five minutes, you know, essentially the, the years that we have actually been here to only have been trading for 18 months or whatever it is. We're all still learning, you know, myself included, my, my wife, you know, we're, we're learning every day. But one thing I'm pretty confident that I'd be able to do is write a book on how to open a restaurant during a pandemic. Because uh, <laughs> every time you close and open, close and open, close and open, we worked it out that from the first time, the, the amount of money it cost to close and open because, you know, it was very unexpected. The second time we sort of had an inkling. Third time, obviously, we knew what was going to happen. So each time sort of nailed. Well, I wouldn't say nailed, but I've certainly um, got an experience in, in opening and closing a restaurant in a very short short uh, and sudden period of time so um yeah has been has been joyous to say the least you need to get everything going again don't you, you need to get everything going again it's not, i mean it's a bit like when a factory shuts down and doesn't use its equipment for a long time i'm guessing it's the same you know you need to make sure that the kitchen equipment comes back up to speed that the the staff are back in their groove again yeah for sure it's all of that bringing it back up to life isn't it Yep, definitely. And I think that, you know, one thing that the, the pandemic has certainly done for hospitality is it's sort of really showcased uh, to the to the country, to the world, if you like, actually how important hospitality is. And actually not just the front of house team that you see or the chefs in the kitchen, but actually the whole supply chain. It really, really has a huge impact. And it's all them getting going again. And, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a huge industry. I think we're the hospitality is the fourth biggest industry in the UK. So it's massive. And getting everything going again and especially doing what we do, obviously everything is pretty much fresh so of course there are some wines that that will happily age for years to come but um most of the time you're talking about all fresh produce be it seafood be it your vegetables be it meats be it your beers you know fresh beers whatever so yeah to close and to open to close and to open it's it's yeah took some doing did you document the i mean i know you talk about writing your book about it but i mean did you sort of document these are all the things that these are all the you know the, the items that we need to test and confirm whether they're still working for us Definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of it we just knew already. The best way to explain it to anybody is that it was a, the, the Christmas period. I think it was the second lockdown. And we had, um, um, Susanna, you've seen it, you've eaten it at the Greyhound. We served the most beautiful truffle, uh, which we sliced at the table. And it was a Christmas 2020, if I'm not mistaken. And we were selling so much truffle. It was just everybody just wanted truffle. So I went to the kitchen. I said to James, I said, listen, I, I think we need to up our order. We've got a kilo coming in on Thursday, but I'd like to up it. I'd like to, to get two kilos. And of course, he looked at me and thought, two kilos, that's a lot of truffle. I said, no, we're definitely going to sell it. Trust me, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. And uh, he said, oh, as long, you know, you're the boss, as long as you're sure. I said, I'm absolutely confident. You know, we can't, we can't sell enough of this. The truffle arrived on that Thursday. And I think it was the Friday that Boris announced that we had to close on the Saturday. So I was left with two kilos of truffle, which of course, can't use after, after a week. So uh, we did what we could with it. But I must say, we had a lot of happy neighbours and friends because we just went out and gave it to everybody because there's nothing else we could do with it. So that just shows you, and you're talking, you know, when you're talking about truffle, you're talking anywhere from 800 pounds a kilo up to 2,000 pounds a kilo. So it's big numbers. And that's just on one, one ingredient that you work with. Can I take you back to when you were a teenager? You know, if I'd bumped into you as a teenager, Dan, is this what you wanted to do? Is it always this or was it ever be a member of a band or something? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, Marguerite always says that if um, if I wasn't in hospitality and I didn't have the love and passion for this, then I would be in a boy band. Oh, would you? Um, <laughs> she says that a lot. Well, that's what she says. Um, that's what, that's what she says. Um, maybe, listen, maybe maybe if I've had a you know a few glasses of wine as a karaoke on, maybe. A little bit of take that never hurt anybody. But um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew from a from a very young age that this is what I wanted to do. When I was 14 years of age, I asked my mum if I could use her, 
uh, if I could have the garage. And I took the garage and I uh, went out and got my, my first job, about six hours a week washing dishes in a local hotel. And I took my 20 pounds or whatever it is I earned then. And I went out and bought different equipment for my restaurant. And I opened, I turned the garage into a, it was called Dan's Caf. I turned it into a, into a little restaurant. I already knew then that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I became obsessed with it. I was extremely passionate and I'd wake up in the morning. You know, the first thing I'd think about would be that cafe before I go to bed. That's the last thing I'd think about. I was, I absolutely loved it with a passion. We got closed down from the council in the end because I was 14. I had no certification whatsoever and it was a garage. Um, uh, and rightly so. I mean, it hurt back then, but rightly so, um, you know, because it was doing quite well. We, we were doing bits for charity and that's that's how the council heard about it. I think we're in the paper. We were, raising, we were doing a day for charity and for the local hospital. And yeah, obviously they couldn't allow us to have a serving food and drinks in a, in a garage by a 14 year old. So, but I knew. So I said at that point, listen, it's not a problem. I'm going to go across the country. I'm going to, work for some of the best I'm going to learn from them um and I did and I said um, you know I'm going to buy my own restaurant and here we are so yeah from a young age I love that I mean apart from the passion for the food Dan the other thing that comes shining through is your entrepreneurial spirit you know, Dan's calf was obviously the beginning and the the very idea that you got into the papers with it it was so successful I I I, I think that's a fantastic story yeah, I guess so. I mean, my mum wasn't very, you know, wasn't too happy about it. She lives in a in a quiet close down in Torquay, and it was actually I was on my way home from school, and I saw on the front page of the newspaper the the Herald Express Heart Appeal. It was called then, and they were opening a new heart department in the hospital. So lots of businesses were doing lots of things for, for fundraising, and I rang them up and said, "Hello, my name is Mr. Crump. I own a restaurant. I would like to donate all my profits for the day to to your charity." Which of course they were like, oh, "That's amazing!" So they put me in the newspaper, like second page, it goes up to like, 250,000 people. So, oh, you know, come to Dan's Calf, which is in a garage. Um, and it was packed. So um, <laughs> it did really well. And then, the, of course, you know, the hospital, <laughs> the hospital found out that I was closed down. And, and actually what was, what was pretty beautiful about that, I have to say, is that, I mean, it was, it was full of kids, right? So all the, all the parents of the, the, the kids that would, would come to the cafe after school, they were really upset. So they wrote into the newspaper sort of protesting, saying that you should be able to stay open. One, because you've got a kid that's wanting to do something with himself. And then you've also got the fact that all the kids are off the street. They're drinking hot chocolates on a Wednesday night. They're being civilized. They're making friends. Uh, what's wrong with that? So it was in the newspaper for, for, for months, genuinely. I don't know how many times, but lots. Every time I'd finish, walk home from school, I'd see again a photo of my, my cafe in the, in the newspaper. So it's it pretty cool. Yeah, it's quite cool. Great memory. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, very much. As you said, I'm a customer of yours, and that's how we first met. And I have enjoyed many dinners at the Greyhound uh, with friends and with family. The idea of meeting you and doing a podcast, you know that the podcast is about leading for business excellence. We are all about creating great processes, you know, wonderful work. We use lots of work through Lean Six Sigma with our clients. But what I saw in your restaurant looked like what we would call flow that perfect way in which the work works and the people know how to do the work and they know what their role is. And it's like watching a beautiful orchestra where nobody puts a foot wrong. And what I'm curious and would love you to talk to me about is where you learnt that and how you create that at the Greyhound. Because I think that's really powerful and really interesting in your business 
Sure. Yeah, I think I do believe that in any business, if you're, like you say, striving for excellence, or if there's something that you're very confident or keen on wanting your team to be doing, delivering every day, I think that repetition is key. So myself, you know, I've worked in lots of different restaurants. I was head waiter at restaurant Gordon Ramsay. I learned a lot in my time there. It was, you know, Gordon was a huge inspiration to me growing up. So to end up at the age of 24 being his head waiter was an amazing experience. And I learned an awful lot there. I really did. Probably a lot of, you talk about, it's almost like an orchestra and flow. A lot of what you see me do now, I would have picked up from there for sure. Um, as well as lots of other restaurants as well. You know, the Yachts of Seabourne, which is actually where I met Marguerite. So we did a year on the Yachts of Seabourne. At the time, it was the only six-star ship in the world. Tough. I mean, really tough, but amazing experience. And again, you know, when you're delivering a six-star experience at sea on a £360 million yacht, and there's 200 members of staff to 400 passengers, you really need to make sure that when you're walking down a hallway with a huge black tray full of caviar, that you're not going to bump into another person who's got a huge black tray with caviar. So repetition, 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 experience, experience, experience. And then, of course, again, training. If there's only one thing that I could take to go and open a restaurant with, only one thing in regards to leadership skills, it would be training. It's absolutely crucial. Um, at any level that you're training. So when we first opened the Greyhound, obviously it's a 700-year-old building, lots of nooks, lots of, lots of crannies. It's not just one square dining room. Lots of different levels, different steps, different beams. Before we first opened, we quite literally would walk around with the team and look at different areas. So when, you know, and we'd, some of us would pretend to be guests whilst the others would pretend to be working. Some would be carrying trays, some would be carrying jackets, some would be clearing tables, and what's really important is having an understanding. I think once you have that feel, that we've got a team of 25 of us, 15, 16, 17 front of house staff for 14 tables. Once you have that understanding, I think it's set. But then what's really important is then when you take on, naturally, you take on more staff, you cannot just throw them in because they're not going to know. So what we do is what we call shadowing. So if I was to take, Susanna, if you were to come and work with us, for example, you would spend the first two to three weeks quite literally shadowing somebody. So again, you get the feel of, oh, yes, oh, I must hold the door. Oh, there's a guest there. I must hold the door there. You know, oh, there's a guest coming. I must move to the side. And eventually you pick it up all across in lots of different scenarios across the building. Our clients, we talk to them about, particularly the leaders, you're in a, an environment where you are part of the orchestra yourself. Sure. You have a role to play yourself, as do many leaders, but often that's detached from where the work is actually happening. And yeah. We talk a lot to leaders about going to see the work happening. And that's just what you're describing. Yeah that you did that with the team, that the team walked around, they experienced the different parts of the work and what needed to be done in the different places. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love that. There's theory, isn't there? And theory is important to understand, but there's nothing that can take you away from actually doing the work and being part of the work where it's actually happening. For sure. I, you know, something that I'm often heard saying as well is that, you know, I mean, take today, for example, we've had a, you know, fully booked lunch, 50 covers in the dining room. We had everybody in between, I think, 12, 15 and 1.30. So that's 50 covers right from the welcome to taking their jackets to sitting them down at the table to spending time with them at the table. I don't ever, ever want anybody to feel rushed. Hence the reason why we never turn our tables. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're pushing. Because if everybody wasn't to be pushing, we'd still have guests having lunch at seven o'clock at night, which isn't a nice experience for the guests ultimately, right? So um, we, I'm often heard saying, come on, we need to push, but do not rush. Do not let the guests ever see you rushing. Because again, you talk about the flow, you know, when the guests are sat down, they will also feel it. 
if, if you were to if you have some two, three, four, five, ten people running up and down past you, naturally, even if you don't realize it, you are going to feel uneasy. You're not going to feel at ease. You're a busy restaurant, not a busy restaurant. And so it's important that we are always mindful about it. And I think I've created a culture where it's not just me that will say it. You know, if someone's rushing, forget the hierarchy. It could be anybody. It could be a junior waiter that could say to a senior waiter, oh, I think we need to slow down a little bit. Just to remind that person. Or, oh, are you okay? Can I can I get something to, in order for you not to be rushing as much as you are? So I sort of, sort of created that culture, which and still working on it. We've got a long way to go. And I think that's also a part of, of who I am and, and, and what we're doing. I think that it's great. Really, it's great. And we can have a great service onto the next one. Let's do better. I think that's 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 really important as well. What you said about a junior waiter could stop a senior waiter and say, can I help you? I think you, you look like you're rushing. I was talking to somebody the other day who talked about flattening the hierarchy. And that's, it's a similar concept, isn't it? About it doesn't matter what level you are within your organization. People are encouraged to speak up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You say it's part of the culture. Great. But that means work, doesn't it? It means somebody has to do some work, somebody like yourself has to do some work to, to create the culture. So how have you created that where no matter what your role is, you feel confident to speak up and that that will be okay? It's something that we talk about openly. So again, you, I'm sure you know this already, but we brief twice a day. And at the end of the week, it doesn't matter the time, it could be 11 o'clock at night, it could be three o'clock in the morning. I don't care before everyone goes home. Before we close for two days, I want to speak to every single member of staff in the same room to talk about how the week was, to talk about how they were, to talk about how I think I was genuinely and how we can do better or be it continue on doing some great things that we're doing. You know, we've got a young lad working with us now who, you know, I say young lad, he's, he's been with us for, for, for a long time, but he is a young lad and he is absolutely in the time that he's been working with us, he hasn't always been, I'm not going to say any names now, so do not ask me, but he hasn't always been the most efficient, let's say. Uh, he, and he'd tell you this himself. He's only young, but he'd tell you this himself. And when he's not efficient, he's told that he's not efficient. And the last two weeks, and I really mean this, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody improve and change as much as this person has. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud. And this morning's briefing, I think I must have spent, I probably went on too long, but I spent 10 minutes talking to him in front of everybody, just saying how impressed I am with the attitude, with the, you know, how he looks, how sharp he is, how he's, everything about him, his work ethic, his energy, his everything is amazing. And naturally that's going to encourage him. But it will also, I'd like to think, will also encourage other people in the room to think, well, actually, no, I want to have praise like that. You know, I can be like that. I should be getting this, this praise. But going back to what we were saying about culture, something which I find really important is that I mean, I have a, I have a book with me, a small book with me at all times. So during a service, if there's something that I think that we need to talk about in the next briefing or something that I don't like or something that I really liked, I'll write it down to make sure that in the next briefing we have, we'll, we'll talk about it and learn from it. But what I also do as well, and I, uh, thankfully I don't do it a lot because I don't make millions of mistakes, but I do make mistakes in a briefing. If I've had a day when I've, when I've, uh, you know, forgotten something, if I forgot to give someone their birthday cake or, you know, I didn't get the jackets out ready on time or if I forgot to call away a table. The first thing I will do is I'll, I'll talk about that and I'll apologize and I'll apologize to them. It's the first thing I do. Most of the time they say, oh, no, no, God, no, no, not at all. No, you don't, you know, you don't need to apologize. Well, actually I do. I don't know why I don't want to apologize <laughs> because if it was the other way around, you would definitely be apologizing. and I'd expect you to apologize. You know, you made a mistake. We're going to learn from it. We're going to move on. Um, and then I talk about why. I talk about why. So actually, to be honest, guys, what happened is, is that somebody then walked in and the phone rang and then this happened and that happened. 
in any business, in any operation, if someone makes a mistake and then you have that member of staff, and sometimes it's not even, I don't think it's even that person's fault. I've seen it firsthand where they then are trying to spend 15 minutes by getting out of the fact that they made a mistake to see if they can almost get away with it. I don't care. I don't have time for that. Ultimately, I've got a guest sitting down. Let's just get to the chase. Let's find out what the mistake was. Let's fix it and, and, and learn from it later. So I always start by talking about a mistake that I've made, why I made it, how I made it, and how I'm not going to make that mistake again. And it just encourages more people to talk openly like that. And then during the day, there'll be a junior waiter that will watch a senior waiter make a mistake, for example. They might be able to say, oh, you do know that person's left-handed, don't you? And rather than senior waiter turn around, you go, oh, God, you know, I don't need you to tell me that. You're a junior waiter. They turn around and go, oh, cheers. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks. And it just it just creates that level of respect, and we still have a way to go, and and we're human, so we'll, you know it's something that will probably always be working on that culture. But it but it is something I'm I'm really passionate about, and that shines through. That passion shines through both listening to you now, but also you know I've seen you in the restaurant, and it shines through there too. What what you say about you know we'll go on making mistakes? Well, of course we will because we are human, and also things do get in the way. Things unforeseen get in the way. Then it's not about blame. It is about learning. And that's what I hear from you is it's all about a learning culture. We talk about the mistakes we've made so we can learn from them and think about what we could do differently next time. Yeah. Well, that's such, such a positive spirit. And the fact that that will go on forever and that you will have your briefings means that you will continue to learn, which means that you will continue to improve. That's, that's that continuous cycle for us. Yeah, very much. Very much. So it's, it's really interesting to hear how you are, are doing exactly the same things in the restaurant. You mentioned about a great team earlier on, and that is another thing that shines through. I think you know what I've noticed is the enthusiasm of the team, the enthusiasm for the environment that you're in, the food, etc. Again, how do you keep that enthusiasm and motivation going? Right from the beginning, from, from the first time I meet somebody that are interested in joining the family here, you know, if they're interested in a job in hospitality, be it their first one or their experience and they're looking to move, I think it's right from the beginning. If, as long as that person understands what you want to do, if there and then they have a good understanding, a thorough understanding, and they can see your passion and they want to be part of that, I mean, from experience, I think that naturally they are going to be passionate as well. We're very lucky we have lots of CVs that come through the door here. There are times when I interview people and then they go, okay, cool, I'll have a think about it. And it's not for them because they can see, mm, actually, maybe I'm just not, I just don't know if I, I I can even have that level of passion. Whereas there are other people that you meet and they go, oh my God. And here we are two and a half years later with majority of the same team because they were those people. And it's only increasing. And then I think throughout the time that we've been here, every time there's been an accolade that's come in, every time that we've achieved something, they get really excited about it. You know, I make a deal about it. We celebrate. We don't celebrate for weeks and weeks and weeks. We talk about it, we celebrate, and then we move on to the next. When we first opened, I sat the whole team down. You know, I used a wall behind me. I think it was about 19 in the team at that point. So this wall is the chart, and it's a percentage chart. And at the top is the Greyhound, where we envision it, where we would like it to be. When we know, right, that's it. This is the Greyhound. This is where we want it to be eventually. And every single week, and I've always done it, every single week I tell them what percentage I believe we are at. And I'm very clear on saying we. I'm not saying the team. I'm not saying you're only working at such and such percent. We, from an experience level. And that includes everything. When we first opened, we started at 1%, of course. We only just opened the doors. We're you know, a couple of years in, and we're only at 10%. Well, when I first told the, the team they've gone from 1% to 2%, 
I actually thought they were taking the mick out of me because they were celebrating. I very quickly realized they weren't taking the mick out of me. They were genuinely like, oh my God, we've doubled it. Oh my God, this is great. We're really going somewhere. Yeah. And every time when we go 3%, 4%, 5%, you know, we hit 10% just before we close for Christmas. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing, the team, to achieve that together. And we talk about that a lot. And you could ask any member of staff, because we talk about it every week, any member of staff, oh, what percentage are you currently at of the Greyhound? They'll know exactly what you mean. And they'll be able to tell you the number without a question. And I've always done that, and I probably always will. Um, will we get to 100%? Well, time will tell, but we're pushing for it. So, yeah. <laughs> Celebration is just such a vital part of culture. Yeah, I, I believe so many people do fantastic things within their organisations, and there isn't the opportunity to celebrate. Sure, and I can imagine that makes it hard to keep going. It is hard to keep the motivation going. But the, I'm I'm hearing of, through the briefings that you you're doing with everybody about the food that you're serving, what we're learning, our performance. And then celebrating on the achievements of the awards that you've won. That's engendering a lot of the motivation to keep going. Yeah, very much. It feels like. Very much. Tell me about the awards because you've, you've won a number now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, I'm only laughing because, you know, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very proud, but I, you know, I don't want to ever come across as being cocky. You know, we, we, what I've just said, you know, I feel that we're at 10% and we're, we're obviously pushing now to get into 11, but I'm very proud that, you know, in the time that we've been here, you know, we very quickly became number one on TripAdvisor in the area. We've won Muddy Stilettos, Best Restaurant, Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire, and that was for everybody voting. I really don't want to miss anybody out. We, you know, we're Open Table Diners Choice Award. We're now officially in the top 100 open table restaurants uh, in the UK, and we're the only one in Buckinghamshire. That's really cool. Well, just like the Muddy Awards, because that's voted by people. That's, that's come through reviews. We are listed in the Harden's Guide. We're now in the Michelin Guide, which is fantastic. We were a, a Michelin inspector's favourite you know, last year, I think October, whenever it was, which was fantastic as well. Um, yeah, you know, the, these, these, these things are fantastic. It's, it's a, they are, Dan. And in such a short space of time, given also, you know, the amount of stop, start, stop, start, it's a huge recognition of what you as the greyhound as the team as the family have achieved together yeah you know yeah really be proud yeah no we are absolutely i think mean, it's worth saying i mean obviously we've got the top 50 gastro pub one to watch as well that was fantastic and you know we really celebrated that but it, i mean it's worth saying that they're all amazing and i love all these guides i love all these blogs and these write-ups i follow them all and i follow all these people so it is heartfelt it really is heartfelt but it's worth me saying as well that something that i take really seriously I don't want to say obsessive, but certainly I take very seriously is guest comments. So our TripAdvisor reviews, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, Open Table reviews. Every time there's a review, no matter what it is, I'll snapshot it and I send it to the whole team. And I check it probably four or five times a day because I think it's that's really, really important. That's from a guest. So when you then become in the, you know, you're then in the top 100 and Open Table, and that's through guest reviews, that's 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 very, very special. That's very, very special. And, and and I make that very clear to the team as well, you know. And there is something about sort of, you know, so I come in as a diner and and I meet you and I meet the team and I say, thank you so much to the, the people that uh, looked after us and, oh, fabulous food, loved the pigeon, et cetera, and off we go. But if I'm then self-motivated to put those reviews on the different platforms that you described, that's your voice to the customer really saying, no, no, 
this just wasn't good. This was excellent. Definitely. We never actively ask anybody ever to leave a review. We just don't do that ever. We never have. Honestly, it's not what we do. It's just not something where, you know, um, of course, I understand it, why some places do it. But for me, I want it to be as authentic as possible. I want it to be as real as possible. And yes, you know, I'm confident in what we're doing. As much as, you know, I always feel that we've got a long way to go. I am extremely confident in knowing that the team that we have are extremely passionate. Some of the most passionate people that you'll meet. I really believe that myself included. And I know the passion that we have to make sure that every guest walks in, we want them to leave wanting to come back. So I'm confident in the the fact that we don't need to be, you know, oh, they had a good experience. Why don't we ask them to leave a review? Oh, they're clearly happy. They're happy people. Ask them to leave a review. We don't. We really don't. So we just let the reviews come in when they come in. Some people are, you know, avid users of TripAdvisor. You know, other guests say, I've never used TripAdvisor before, but I really think I should because I've loved this experience. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. That's what you want to hear, right? So, but yeah, something that we take really seriously also and, and, and feedback. Feedback is, is important. And feedback, if there's could be an email from a guest, again, I'll snapshot it, I'll send it to the team. We'll talk about it. Something we need to work on, something they liked, something they didn't like. And I think involvement as well with a team. I think it's important to involve the team. And also ask them, you know, yeah, listen, I might call me a leader in this conversation. Yes, but it's, it's not just me. You know, I need to ask everybody what they think about something or how they feel that something went. And I really will listen. And if I think they've got a point, which often I do, I'll change something for them. Yeah. The voice of the customer is loud and clear, isn't it? And it's really coming through both in terms of the people you meet, but but also in that feedback. But the art for you is taking that feedback and that voice and learning from it again. That's what I keep hearing about is I share it. We all talk about it. We learn from it. We make a change if we have to. And that's how you're evolving. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fantastic. Absolutely, yeah. I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about your Greyhound Hospitality Programme. I know this is a new programme that you've set up recently and that it's something you're very passionate about. I wonder if you could just give us a brief overview of it, but also what's underlying your reasons for the Greyhound Hospitality Programme. Yeah, sure. I think that hospitality has always, um, always been up against it. You know, I think it's a secret, but always been up against it when it comes to recruitment, always. Um, but I think now more than ever, Brexit, COVID, um, I think it's, it, it, well, I don't think, I know it's harder than it's ever been. But certainly I think, as you know, I've been in the industry since I was about 14. So something I was very lucky to do was in school, my last two years of secondary education, I went to um, school for four days a week. And then the last day of the week, I would go to a different restaurant. And I would quite literally shadow, we talked about shadowing earlier, I'd quite literally shadow different restaurant managers and be making notes from them, which was amazing for me. So I picked up so many skills. I picked up a lot of confidence in myself, but it also confirmed to me, I want to do this. I love this. I love this. So I actually had the experience to go and do it and, and be confident at the age of 16 going, well, listen, I know what I want to do. I want to leave school. I know where I want to go and I know what I want to do. So I think that particularly at the moment with staff shortages in the industry, I think there's no better time than getting out there and encouraging youngsters. I think it's the best time. So yes. So I set up the Greyhound Hospitality Programme where each month I go to a different school and I have an assembly with some of the students and I talk to them about the industry. I talk to them about the fact that it is a real vocation, about what it entails, what it can lead to. The fact that, you know, I started at 14 you know, with a restaurant in my garage and bought my first restaurant at the age of 29. I talk about, you know, what you do on a daily basis. Yes, it's incredibly hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding. I passionately believe that there is no better job in the world for me anyway, 
you get to work with your family every day, the most amazing people every day, but you also get to create the most amazing special memories for people every single day, every day. Oh, well, I mean, why would you? It's amazing, right? Serving the most amazing food. Stop it. I'm going to leave PMI everywhere. now. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to work for you. <laughs> You're hired, Susanna. You're hired. Um, uh, um, everyone loves food. Yeah, everyone loves food. Everyone eat, everybody eats every day. Most people love a drink, be it alcoholic or non-alcoholic, you know. Oh, what's not to love about that? So it's just, ah, oh, it's the most amazing thing. So I just want to get into schools and talk to them about it. And then if anybody's interested, I'll take them on for a couple of weeks, give them a, you know, a bespoke training program. I'll put them in every area. I'll let them shadow every single person throughout the whole building. I just want to encourage them. doesn't mean they're going to love it, but they might do. And if they do, great. And I think we all should be investing in this. And I think that I went to the first school not so long ago. I'm going to another one uh, in a couple of days, a different school this time, where they've actually invited me into their food tech class as well, which will be really cool. And then there's a, there's a bunch of sixth formers that have requested to sit down with me because they're actually already thinking of going to hospitality. So they just want to give me a Q&A session with me, which I'm more than happy to do for half an hour. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's definitely not a charity, but I think we need to be playing our part. You know, I think that this, this is such a beautiful industry and I don't think it's, it's, it's certainly not as respected as a career. Or it's not respected as a career or as a, vo- a serious vocation anywhere near as much as it should be. That's the reasoning behind it. I, I, yes, and I can imagine that the, the opportunity to speak to the, the people who, were, who are sitting today in the seat that you were sitting in, I, can, I see that full circle for you. I can imagine why that's so rewarding. Yeah, for sure. It really is. I've had, I think, two, maybe three different chats since I went to a school and you know, spoke to all the students. You know, I've sat down with their parents, with them, to talk about it. And actually, Juan's actually joined us now. He's 16. He's, he's come aboard with us. And he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. So, yes, absolutely. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. And let's open the eyes to, to what an incredible industry the hospitality industry is. Yeah, fabulous. So going back to the course of your entire career, which, you know, you've mentioned various restaurants. I mean, your entire career, you know, Daniel, you're not, you're not very old, are you? As you said, you opened your first restaurant at the age of 29, just yeah. two and a half years ago. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> in your career, um, who would you say has been the most significant influence on you as a leader? Oh, as a leader, I mean, I'd have to say that I think I probably mentioned earlier, although I didn't work alongside Gordon Ramsay, I'd have to say probably Gordon from a young age. I think, of course, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions about Mr. Ramsay for sure, but uh, and understandably, but I think that even from a young age, I understood it. I understood that it's passion, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of passion. Honestly, I think he's very very clever in his leadership. There's a reason why so many people work for him for so long. There's certainly a reason why I wanted to go and work for him and why I stayed. And look at what I learned and, you know, so I would probably have to say Gordon, in all honesty. Alongside that, of course, working under Jean-Claude, Gordon's longest standing maitre d' at Hospital Road, most certainly a huge part of my career. And, you know, a lot of that is just watching him. I know it sounds crazy, but just watching him every day, you know, working alongside him every day was, yeah, was incredible. And to, to watch what he's done on a daily basis for so many years with so many guests, not just one sitting a day, two sittings a day, every single day. That's somebody who is full of genuine passion. He's not really driven by anything else. Honestly, it's, 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 it's passion. I already knew, but it just gave me even more confirmation that, yeah, you know, this is a real thing. I'm also passionate about this. This is a real thing. I can do this every day and I, and I will do it every day. It was always a plan for me to have my own restaurant because I, well, I've always wanted to have my own restaurant and that's because I wanted to do things my way as well, of course. 
I've got a clear vision of how I want things to be. But certainly, you know, when it comes to inspiration, in my career, I, I, I would probably say Jean-Claude and, uh, uh, and Gordon, yeah. I think you're right, though, about watching, because one of the, the lovely things about watching great people at work is you can steal shamelessly things that they do and make it look like it's your own. You know, sure. I, I'm a big fan of that personally. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I'm joking apart, you know, it, there is something about saying, okay, when I saw that person do this, I really like that. I'm going to try that myself. It is sure. part of how we learn. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm to, and, and, to, to watch and to observe and then to repeat. And no doubt that many things that Jean Claude does, he's picked up along the way as well when he was learning under his maitre d' and so on and so forth. So but then he's added his spin on it, the same as I'll add my spin on what we do here. And there I say already, but the future generation ahead of me, they'll do exactly the same. So yeah, and that's also that's also exciting. I, I also find that really exciting. I find that incredibly exciting, actually. I really do. Yes, yes. And so if you put yourself into, instead of the shoes of the maitre d' and into the shoes of the customer, not necessarily in your own business, what's the best customer experience that you've ever had? And why was it good? I, <laughs> um, I mean, there are several restaurants that I could definitely tell you. you, know, you know, I, that I got. knew this is going to be a restaurant story. <laughs> so, well, 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 do you know what? Do you know what? Um, and I knew you'd think it would be, but the truth is, is that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worried that if I call out, if I call out a restaurant, then there's, you know, I'm going to have other friends that can be like, well, hang on a minute. You ate my restaurant last week. You said that was the best. So I'm not going <laughs> to, honestly, I've got to tell you. And again, I say this to the, you know, I've told the story to the team many times. When we first bought the, 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 the Greyhound and we moved here and we we're setting everything up and, all day, every day, it was just telephone calls, telephone calls, telephone calls, emails, emails, emails. We, of course, one thing that you, of course, you do when you purchase a property is you you sort out the council tax, right? So I contacted South Bucks Council, and they said that you know, well, we'd respond to you within ten days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyway, this this gentleman, and I'm, I'm, I won't say his name, the gentleman responded by email and said, "Oh yeah, you need this, 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 and this. Uh, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. Yeah, la di da di da. Very clear, very very helpful, very polite, very nice. Okay, great, lovely, as expected, brilliant. Thank you." Then towards the end of that year, uh, so nearly a year later, we find ourselves having to go into lockdown. So it's a nerve wracking time. But of course, as leaders, we're keeping our feet firmly on the ground. We're telling everybody, listen, everything's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be a problem. And then behind the scenes, we're working everything out. One of the things I'm sure you can remember for hospitality was the grants. And I sent an email about the grants. For whatever it was, it was a question. I don't know what it was, but I sent this email. And it said, you know, the, the usual response of, oh, we'll get back to you within 10 working days. And then you expect it to be like 10 years or something. I think, and this, I could be wrong, but I think it was within the day, possibly the next, the same chap from a year ago responded to me, the same chap that helped me when we first moved here and said, Dan, literally addressed it as Dan, Marguerite, hope you're both well. I know you've only just opened please find below the links that you need for this is this, this is what you need. This is what you need. If you need anything else, genuinely, please give me a call. I'm on the other end of the phone here to help. And it got to a stage where throughout the pandemic, when every time there was a new grant or a change in legislation or whatever it was, he would contact me, right? The council, this chap at the council, I've never met him. He would contact me. And I was absolutely blown away. I was taken back. Because I thought I'd be chasing for this. I thought I'd be, you know, oh, my God, have I not paid that? And do I need this? And do I not? Everything was made so simple. A lot of people say, yeah, he's just doing his job. No, he definitely wasn't just doing his job. This, this chap, for his own passion, 
went above and beyond. And he didn't have to because nothing would have changed. I wouldn't have known. I don't know how long that'll stick with me, maybe forever, but I was absolutely taken aback by it. So yeah, I say that I would say that's probably some of the best customer service I've experienced in a long time. Absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. You're you're completely right. It's not it's not what we expect. That is somebody who is really feeling it, isn't it? Who is feeling their job, their responsibility and wanting to help others. Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. So, um, Dan, I have been really fascinated to hear about your stories today. And I think there are certain things that I take away. The passion comes through in how you talk and also your desire to create the passion in others. I think both that in terms of, you know, your team um, at the Greyhound, but also through the Greyhound Hospitality Programme. So generating that passion and putting that fire into the bellies of young people. And I think that's incredible. And the fact that you're the one who's going out and starting this program and you're the one that's going out to the schools and saying, these are the opportunities that are available to you is absolutely that leading from the front that we all respect and admire. I'm really interested by all of the briefings that you do, the twice a day, the end of week. That's something that's really close to our hearts in terms of keeping everybody on track and keeping everybody with you. And and now it makes sense when I go in and everybody is absolutely, they know what they're doing. They know what's on the menu. They've all got their favourites and they're really happy to tell me. Yeah, they and they should. And that comes down to it as well. I think that, you know, we talk about, again, comfort. I want everybody to say if they, you know, if they prefer something or if they don't like something, maybe. Like, I, I'm not sure how much I'd like my staff going around saying they don't like something on the <laughs> menu, but they might say, oh, I don't actually eat fish, for example, or, you know, I'm okay with that. But it's, mm. it's just about being really genuine and going back to when you walk in, confidence. You know, the team needs to be confident all the time. And, and one thing that we we really do, and I spend hours and hours every single week putting it together, is we do training. So we train every day for about an hour or an hour and a half. You know, Marguerite tends to spend the morning training the team on beverages. And then in the evening, I'll be training on, you know, food, wine, service, beer, cider, tea, coffee, cheese, whatever it might be, predominantly on the service. And then every three to four weeks, I give all the staff exams. And, you know, that I give them exams not so I can say, oh, you only got 25 out of 50. You're not listening. It's more, okay, why have you only got 25 out of 50? Let's look at this area. You, you need some more training on that. What I do now is I used to mark them all individually. But what I do now is I get the team, I swap them over, and we mark them all together. When there is a, a cross because someone didn't get it right, we can then talk about it and say, oh, do you understand that now? And if you don't, we'll talk about it again. I don't care. Talk about it 100 times. It's not a problem for me. So a lot of that is confidence as well. And that takes time. But training is, you know, like I said in the beginning, training is the most important, is the most important thing when it comes to, to service, I think. I agree. My last question to you is, if for you, reincarnation was an option and you could come back as anyone, any leader, who would you come back as and why? In all honesty, and I knew you are going to ask me that, in all because I've listened to all of your other podcasts, um, <laughs> in all honesty, um, I'm, uh, I've got so much to learn myself. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I really want to be careful how I answer this question, but I don't, I've, I've never, ever thought about genuinely, I've never thought about being someone else or wanting to be anybody else, obviously writing my own story and I'm learning every single day and I want to better myself every single day. So I'd have to, I'm, oh, I'm not going to say it. I'd come back as myself. That's definitely not what I'm going to say, but I'd have to, <laughs> uh, I'd, 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 I'd just have to say, I just, I, I, I cannot, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, 
I wouldn't want to come back as anybody else. I just, I just want to continue to learn. I want to continue, you know, writing my own story, you know, learning from my mistakes, making new experiences. I want a mission. I want a mission and I'm, and I'm, I'm determined. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be anybody else really. I know okay. that sounds, um, no, no, no. Well, I'm not sure how that sounds, but I, I couldn't, I can't, I, I can't answer, but you know how many friends I've got that think I'm absolutely nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> you know, when we talk about winning the lottery and I say, I wouldn't want to win the lottery. Genuinely, I wouldn't because I, I, I just wouldn't. I want, everything I have, I'd like to work for myself, everything. And the amount of my friends, oh, that's ridiculous. If you were to win millions of pounds, you'd do No, no, it's not true. I wouldn't, wouldn't want any, anything to come in the way of, you know, I wouldn't want money to come in to interfere with what I do every day. I love what I do with an absolute passion. And, you know, it's the same sort of question. I think <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, and I get stick for that. So people can give me stick for, for answering this as well. It's not a problem. <laughs> I don't think anyone will give you stick, Dan. I think you're <laughs> the most genuine person I've met leading a restaurant. Oh, thanks, Susanna. You Bless are you. completely authentic. And your sense of how important it is that me, my family, my friends, the other customers in the restaurant are all having a great experience is really strong. And yeah. so I want to say thank you for those experiences and also thank you for today thank you for spending time with me today it's been really great it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much Susanna thank you I really hope you enjoyed this episode of PMI's podcast Leading for Business Excellence obviously if you're passing Beaconsfield I highly recommend you go and try the Greyhound for yourself and meet Dan and his team Of course, if you'd like to know any more about any of our thought leadership content, you can find everything on pmi.co.uk, our list of podcasts, our range of Room for Improvement practitioner videos, and register for PMI Live, our monthly live webinar events. If you'd like to know any more about how to develop your career in business excellence and transform your organization, please do drop us a line, team at pmi.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you.